Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you stuff you should know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuff Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette. I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com, and sitting next to me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there! And uh, I think we have some official business to get to. We do. Very official. Yes. Well, at least not quite official at the moment, but it's going to be official very soon. And this is uh, you know, for, our, for our listeners in other countries. Um, please humor us. We're going to talk about the United States specifically in this podcast because uh, – our President Barack Obama has decided to um, to to create a couple of new positions in his cabinet that are going to undoubtedly have an effect on the way we access the Internet, uh, the way Internet um, is, uh, well, kind of oversight of the Internet from a government level. Uh, lots of different things that are going to really have an impact on us as consumers. That's right. Um, and this is a complete departure from the past. I mean, um, among the things that the former president, George W. Bush, was criticized for was not being very technical. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of well known now that, uh, Barack Obama's 
presidential campaign was extremely technical. He was everywhere on Facebook and on Twitter and all sorts of other social media, recruiting uh, volunteers, trying to get votes. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a, a bit of a culture shock for some of the, uh, staffers when they entered the White House. Um, because, you know, by nature, the, uh, the federal government has to be, especially in the White House, it has to be somewhat restrictive as far as, uh, technological policies because, you know, if some of this stuff were to leak, you know, state secrets, that's some pretty serious stuff you don't want just bouncing around on the internet. Yeah. I've seen the documentary 24. And uh, according to that, it's really dangerous to let that information get out. Also, the there's always a mole. There's, there's always, always a, mole. a mole. Really? Yeah. I, that's a completely different Every show. Every season. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> um, but anyway, what we're getting at here is way back in November 2007, then-Senator Barack Obama announced that he intended that uh, if he were elected to appoint a chief technology officer or CTO. And um, that was – that was, you know, a big deal. And of course, now he has been elected. He has not yet, as of the recording of this podcast, appointed a CTO, but he has appointed a chief information officer or CIO. And, um, actually, uh, that kind of relieves me in a way. Um, and I'll tell you why. Okay. It's, it's because the, the parameters for, for the job of CTO were so wide that I was convinced no single person could accomplish all of those tasks. But if he has a CIO and a CTO, then some of those duties can be split across two different people and suddenly it becomes much more manageable. Um, and, uh, and some of those duties included here. I, I've got a list actually from, this is from Congress. Okay. It's a congressional report. So, uh, the first role. Would expl- it's explicitly articulated on President Obama's earlier campaign and transition websites might be described as a supra chief information officer with the mission of using information technology to improve the delivery of government services, increasing transparency of government policymaking and opening channels for increased citizen participation in government, as well as ensuring that the nation's information and communications infrastructure is robust and secure. In this capacity, a CTO would also ensure that best practices are identified, shared and implemented across agencies. That's one role. (laughs) Role number two. It might be described as an advocate for technological innovation in support of national interests such as economic growth, job creation, improvements to quality of life, national defense, and homeland security. Some have speculated that President Obama might charge a CTO with a wider scope of responsibilities, including development and advocacy of national ICT policies like net neutrality and broadband access, technology policies intended to spur innovation and economic growth, intellectual property enforcement, and oversight of a federally-backed venture capital fund to support deployment of clean technologies. So that's a tall order. Yep, yep. Um, And another one of the reasons that I read about uh, was basically to promote the use of broadband in underserved areas. Oh, yeah, yeah. The United States is 15th in broadband penetration, about uh, 23 out of every 100 people are served with some sort of broadband, at least according to the uh, Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. So, I mean, there's a lot to do as far as uh, getting technology 
especially internet technology, more widespread use in the United States. So let's start. Let's break this down and talk about both of these in turn. We'll start with the chief information officer. I blogged about this guy earlier, so I should be able to talk about him a little bit. So you've got the information on the chief information officer. Yes, I even have his correct title. He'd uh, <laughs> he'd be proud of you. Yes, I, I would hope so. His name is Vivek Kundra. And uh OK, here's where I get a little ill because Vivek is the same age as yours truly. Really? I'm the same age as the United States Chief Information Officer. No, 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 no. I'm older than you. I know you're older than I am, so you're older than the United States Chief Information Officer. I'm going to retire after this podcast. I know. Isn't that incredible? Okay, so granted, now when you're talking about things like the internet, IT, infrastructure, that kind of stuff, uh, you really are looking for people who have their their – finger on the pulse of what's going on right now. So I guess it kind of makes sense that he's going young with this. It's just kind of sobering when you start seeing people who are in charge of of uh, very important positions who are the same age or younger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> and then you start questioning what you've done with your life. Anyway, so he's uh, 34 years old. Um, he was born in New Delhi. Then his family migrated to Tanzania. And then at age 11, he moved to the United States. And before he was appointed the chief information officer of the United States, he was the uh, CTO, the chief technology officer for the District of Columbia. And so that's he was actually in charge of 86 different agencies there. Um, he was they, they all reported to him essentially in his role as CTO. And before that, he was the assistant secretary of commerce and technology for the Commonwealth of Virginia. So yeah. he's held some pretty serious high-end tech positions. And this is a man who knows his stuff. And he's already come out and talked about the sort of things that he wants to do as the CIO of the United States. And it's a big list. Um, part of that is like we, we talked about transparency earlier. That was one of the things that Congress said Barack Obama wanted in his CTO. Well, it looks like the CIO is going to handle that part of the equation. Uh, and when we're talking about transparency, we're saying that it, it will be his responsibility to make sure that public information is easily available to the citizens of the United States, that it you don't have to jump through hoops in order to find information that should be publicly available. Mm -hmm. uh, to that end, he's trying to establish uh, a website called data.gov which will kind of be a clearinghouse of all this information, hopefully organized in such a way that it's easy to navigate and find exactly what you're looking for. So th this is a big deal. I mean, it's going to theoretically give the average citizen a chance to see the decision-making process that go that's involved in creating policies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that this really does fall in line with what Barack Obama had done previously his idea of communicating to the people and making things as clear as possible so that the people know what what their elected officials are doing and why they're doing it. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, well, people will elect an official based upon a, poly, a, a party affiliation. Right. And and maybe a few policies like you, you happen to know that person's stance on a particular issue. But beyond that, we kind of let them do their thing and then we get upset when uh, tax time comes around and then, you know, that we, we get more upset when elections come around and we decide to throw one group out and bring another group in. But we don't tend to build a lot of understanding of what's going on right. throughout that time. Right. This is an attempt to change that, which I, I, I mean, now granted, a huge responsibility is going to fall upon the American citizens to make sure that they actually take advantage of these opportunities. 
But it's a huge step, I think. That's true. And um, it's been notoriously difficult over the past few years to get at a lot of this information, um, you know, things that should be available via the Freedom of Information Act, um, you know, simply because it's it's you know, not ready for, uh, for public consumption. Right. Uh, you know, in a pl- public area. So this is, this is a serious, um, serious step. Yeah. And, and now granted, there's no guarantee that we're going to see a decrease in things like, uh, citing executive privilege oh, or sure. anything like that. I mean, there's still going to be opportunities for politicians to keep information held back based on numerous kinds of criteria. Yeah. You know, but state um, secrets and all kinds of other things that are going to, you know, prevent it from being published. Right. So or at so least we, immediately being published. So time will tell whether or not this, this, uh, data.gov site will really be a great tool, but it's, it's, I'm being, I'm trying to be optimistic about it because it sounds to me like it could really be an incredible development. Well, I'm, I'm interested to know who the CTO is going to be. Boy, you and everybody else. You know, uh, looking at, a. Uh, at the Business Week website, um, I saw an article last fall and they had some pretty, uh, you know, because Senator Obama at that time had made public that he wanted a CTO right. if he were elected president. Sure. And so they started floating some names around. I mean, people like uh, Google CEO Eric Schmidt, who uh, actually pulled his name out of the running last fall. Uh, Vint Cerf. Also another Google guy. Yes, the chief Internet evangelist. One of the fathers of the Internet. Oh, yeah. And, and that, too. Yeah. Uh, Steve Ballmer, Microsoft CEO yeah. and, uh, you know, <laughs> fan of all the developers, 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 developers. developers. um, Jeff Bezos. Ah, oh, yes. That's Amazon.com, right? Yes, it is. Amazon.com. Wow. Look at that. And, uh, you know, Ed Felton from Princeton University, uh, who heard of it. <laughs> and Lawrence Lessig, uh, from the uh, Stanford University Center for the Internet and Society, also of Creative Commons fame. Right. Uh, you know, all those people's names have been mentioned. And uh, just in January, they were mentioning two names that were very probable. Um, one of them was uh, Vivek Kundra. Yeah, who is now the CIO. Wait a minute. That leaves one name. Yeah. Who would uh, be a Padmasri warrior. Yes. The CTO um, I am the of... warrior fame. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, she's the uh, CTO of Cisco, formerly oh, right, of right, Motorola. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with some seriously – uh, impressive credentials of her own. Now, so if the CIO is really in charge of uh, information infrastructure right. and transparency uh-huh. and making sure to promote these sort of things, the CTO, what is the CTO going to do? This is a good question. There's not not been a lot of discussion, official discussion from uh, Obama's administration to really lay out all the different um the, the different job duties that the CTO would have. Right. Uh, we can, we can make some assumptions. I mean, it, uh, perhaps forming policies on things like, uh, like technology, uh, innovation and, um, even things like net neutrality, that sort of thing. They may be able to, to shape, uh, national policy on those matters. Uh, but also other things like, uh, kind of investigating sort of the, the, what kind of technology the government can use. Mm-hmm. Um, Pushing that boundary a little further. And also another important role will be trying to help create more jobs in the technology field within the United States. And um, just today when we're recording this podcast, I saw a report from CNET 
Ah, yes. Yeah, this was very depressing, actually. Especially if you're in the tech sector. And you're looking for a job. Because according to CNET, uh, tech job postings fell 40.4% in March, uh, uh, over year ago figures. Right. And, uh, and also most of those cuts came from full-time positions. So if you're out of a job and you're looking for something in the tech industry, um, there are a lot fewer jobs out there being posted than there were a year ago. Right. Uh, this is a huge problem. And I mean, it's, it's not surprising because the economy has been so in so much trouble recently, but it's, and also you've heard, of course, about all the thousands and thousands of, of uh, layoffs that various companies have had to do, sure. including companies that had never laid off employees before. That's true. Uh, like Microsoft and Google, both historically had never really done any of these mass employee layoffs until late 2008, early 2009. So that's a tall order for the CTO. Um, I wish whomever holds that position the best of luck. Well, one thing uh, about these positions is um, they're going to have an opportunity to shape what the next CIO and CTO do because, um, you know, as the originators in these positions, they're going to have, you know, people are going to look to what they do, you know, in successive administrations, you know, assuming that the next president keeps those two cabinet level positions in place. Um, you know, they're going to have a lot of influence on the technological future of the country and the way the government and technology industries interact with one another. Right. So, uh, you know, they, they, this is not something to be taken lightly. I also kind of hope that the CTO and the CIO can work together to to kind of uh, really take a real close look at the way certain mega corporations are kind of throwing their weight around and essentially dictating what political policy is in the in the realms of the internet. Mm-hmm. I'm talking here about ISPs, I'm talking about like the packet sniffing and net neutrality. N- that would be it or maybe the RIAA or the MPAA. Yep. yep. I mean, we're talking about gigantic organizations that have been able to pretty much shape the way uh the US law uh handles handles uh situations over the internet or or uh, you know defining what is a crime versus what is not a crime. Uh, and you know, it's almost like the, uh, like they're, they're, they're making up the rules. Right. It'd be nice to have some people who really know the, the whole background and can really look at the big picture and define what the rules are. Now, maybe those rules won't be the same ones that I would like to see, but at least I know that it would be coming from a more impartial party. Well, and it's, uh, it's true too that the FCC has had a hand in a lot of this in the past, but right. it's really sort of been, uh, a different role than what the CIO and CTO would do, uh, would take in this right. case, because, uh, they're going to be a lot more hands on. The FCC has, um, their fingers in a lot more different kinds of communication. Yeah. Um, it's true. And it's sort of a, I don't know, a peripheral role in some, in some ways. It's, you know, it's not the same, uh, as it would be for, for these guys who are going to be completely focused on, you know, tech and the internet. Yeah. And I do have one more hope. What's that? Uh, for, for them. Hopefully they can get this straightened out. I really hope that somebody can identify who took that poor walrus's bucket. Yeah, I do too. I mean, that that bucket has been missing for quite some time. It has. And that Someone walrus sold it. is in a lot of distress. I know. I've seen pictures. Uh-huh. Many of them. I can't believe you brought that up, Paul. <laughs> 
I, I'm, I'm really surprised that you can't believe I brought that up. Well, I was also going to say on a more serious note oh, okay. that uh, they do have a big job ahead of them. And of mm-hmm. course, not all of these questions will be answered very quickly because when you think about Internet, of course, is a global entity. It does not belong to the United States. And there's a lot of lawlessness on there that just comes from being a multinational entity made up of basically a whole bunch of individual people. Right. So so there are going to so. be some limitations they'll be working with just based upon what the Internet is. So not to mention just getting started. Yeah, it's you know, going to they're not building on anybody else's work. Right. There. This is, you know, it's, it's yeah, so much it's of, of Obama's administration is really all about building from the ground up that it's sometimes really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, I can't, I'll, I'll be amazed. I'm really looking forward to seeing where we are in four years just to see how much of that is successful. Because to me, when I look at it, it just looks so monumental that I can't even imagine it. Yeah. L- lest we sound, uh, partial. Um, you know, honestly, I think these positions are, would be useful to anybody, you know, Democrat, Republican, Tory, Whig. Right. Uh, Federalist. You know, Federalist. Yeah. You know, anarchists. Maybe. Well, maybe maybe even like libertarian. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, these are, <laughs> you know, so many of us depend on technology. I think this is a good step for anybody to to put into practice. It's much better so. than ignoring it. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah. So, uh, well, that was a that was a good discussion on the old CTO and CIO. So that brings us to Uh-oh. listener mail. I so got to bring my earplugs. So, listener mail. This one comes from Matt. And Matt says, Hi, Matt. Hey there. That's my line, Matt. So I listened to your episode on niche social networks. And I have one that is growing very fast. MyLeaky.com. It springs off of the Harry Potter news site, the leakycauldron.org, and it has been growing steadily since January. Well, we have a few Harry Potter fans in the office, so uh, I'm going to spread this information around so that we can see how many of them, uh, you know, brandished their wands online, so to speak. Maybe I should have worded that differently. I think you might have. Oh, well, too late now. If any of you would like to send any comments or suggestions or corrections or anything of that nature to us, you can do that at techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Remember, we also have blogs at blogs.howstuffworks.com slash category slash techstuff. And you can find a lot of this information on our website, howstuffworks.com. We will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. 
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I'm Jordan Gonsalves, and I'm a journalist. Join me on my new podcast, But We Loved, coming May 15th, where queer elders recount the amazing history they've lived through. In the middle of Wall Street, they stopped traffic. They were doing a die-in. And in the process, share little gems of wisdom for the next generation. The key is to understanding yourself, learning to love and embrace yourself. You can listen to But We Loved May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.